And it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 66, recorded Friday, January 6th, 2012. Baby New Year brings us Splunk 4.3. It's a brand new year, brand new version of Splunk. This ain't no minor release, dot three. This thing is awesome. We've got a whole review live on Splunk Talk. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk, fighting answers without a doubt. Splunk Talk, we'll help you figure it out. Splunk Talk, I can tell the whole world about Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk. Happy New Year, Maverick. Happy New Year, how's it going? It's a new year. I'll tell you that. How's it been going so far? What year is it? Year? What year is it now? Uh, uh, 2012. Oh, nice. You're doing, you're saying it properly. I'm saying it right. I knew you were right. going to catch me Well, I think yeah. actually everybody's <laughs> sort of gotten to the point now where they're not saying 2011. Because I think for all of 2010, people said 2010. They didn't say 2010. Yeah. And you got to say 2009 because 2009, eh, eh. Although I think people I know did why. say I 1903, I 1904. I don't know. It's just weird. I, I, I know why I know why it's easier to say 2012 because they both begin with a TW. So 2012, it just be easy, easier to say. I you know, I like it. I it's it's <laughs> that anyways. Uh we're here. It's a new year. And uh I'm Michael Wilde, Splunk Ninja, live live, <laughs> live and recorded here in Austin, Texas. And my good friend. Maverick, and I'm live and recorded. Or can we do both? Yeah, live and recorded. It's here live when we record it, and you actually Plano. are alive, so that's... I am alive, and we're, I'm in Dallas, uh, Plano, Texas, actually. At least at the north. date of this recording, you're actually alive, so... Uh, yeah, that would be weird if it was played later and I wasn't alive, but um, I think let's I'll probably hope, be let's alive. Let's hope you make it a few more episodes. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so I don't have to deal with, like, an empty Facebook profile. That would be that's weird. That's just hanging it? on... Or later on, Facebook requests that I be friends with you, only you're not longer alive. Yeah. Uh, so, anybody, if you've had anyway. that happen, it's strange. So, okay, so we, well, that's, it's that's a new year, verse. and it's a, there's a new product out. And that product, what version is that? Um, 4.3, Splunk 4.3. Splunk 4.3. Splunk 4.3, the previous version was 4.2, and... It's a dot release, right? Is it? It's technically a dot release, right? Isn't it a dot release when yeah, you say minor, a minor release versus yeah. a patch release or whatever? Right. Yeah. It's a major release in my book. There, Correct. It is chock full of holiday gifts for the Splunk user. Now, why? Now, why would anyone care right now about? Four three. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be upgrading like right away. I wouldn't think. I mean, some people maybe are right away. But do you think that? How would uh, you know, right? How would you know if you're not hanging on every word of Splunk, yeah. right? <laughs> because most people true. in production, they, you know, depending on their, your production cycle, you might not even be on Splunk four dot one just because you don't upgrade that fast. And there are some really awesome features that you should know about to make your Splunking life better. Oh, I see. So maybe, okay, so maybe it might be good to know because in case maybe now is the time to upgrade is what you're saying. Well, you know that uh, uh, that public service announcement, the more you know, right? The more you know. (laughs) And then a little sparkly star flies across the screen, which because it's a podcast, I can't really replicate other than maybe a sound. You could try. You could try. I'll I'll, I'll do do my best. Okay, so. Talk. 
What's in Splunk 4.3? One of the things you can do is you can go to Splunk.com, because I'm sure that's your homepage. Just kidding. Uh, and you click Downloads. And once you get to the Downloads page, um, if you go to, there's a link that says Release Notes there. You can obviously get here in the docs, but it's an easy way to just go to the release notes, and it'll take you to a page called Meet Splunk 4.3. And there's a bunch of user, there's a bunch of improvements uh, to Splunk uh, on that page. Obviously, there's a, if you're interested in what's changed, there's a change log, and there are known issues for this release, as there are on every particular release. Right. Uh, like the real, like a lot of times release notes are just all the changes. But often we put out a bunch of new features, so we have the sort of meet the new version, and then cleverly hidden on the left-hand side, there's the, well, the stuff that doesn't work or the stuff that is deprecated or workarounds. Right. So. right. So, so where do we want to start? I mean, because there's some things that are kind of back-end stuff that some people may not care about too much, or they might, and then there's things that are kind of more fun, which is more in the visual, visualization type stuff. Well, the things right. that there are things that I like. Well, the user interface. So there's a bunch of things on the list. User interface I like. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. I like data preview, which is a little bit more back end nerdy thing. Um, yeah. And yeah. although a user interface, though, I mean, a lot of these things on this list, which you can see when if you head to that page, are all related to the UI. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the user interface. Okay, that sounds good because, I mean, at least we can start there because I think that there, a lot of the things that will be noticeable right away will be mm-hmm. in the UI. And I think that we put a lot of work into it um, based oh, on yeah. customer customer feedback and some of the things that you're wanting now are in there, right? So we should maybe, yeah, you're right. You know that song uh, by Hollow Notes? Uh, I, I have the greatest hits, yeah. She's gone? Yeah, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. She's gone. She I'm naming gonna, Flash. Oh, Flash is oh gone. really? Flash oh, okay. is gone. Flash is gone. So, so well, wait a minute. No, I don't understand how we're going to be able to see it if it's not in Flash. That's how we've had it for years now. Native rendering in the browser. Flash oh, is really? gone. It's not that oh, we hate wow. Flash. We used Flash as a charting engine in the past and a rendering engine for some of the graphics. But there were some limitations, obviously, on the different types of devices like some mobile handheld devices made from a company that has a fruit with a bite out of it, um, namely Apple. Um, And then other situations um, where Flash may or may not be appropriate for the particular device. Cool. So so that means I can run it on my iPad is what you're saying. You can run it on your iPad. I think, actually, I think also getting rid of Flash helps with some um, accessibility, things like 508 compliance, because usually the... Inside the Flash widget, the browser can't really see what's going on and produce things like, you know, uh, visually impaired type stuff. So Yeah, like but, my, I have a friend, that, uh, her name is Rena. She she uses all of the things to, it speaks it to her. It actually uh, reads and speaks it through her. She has a device. So you're saying that now she'll be able to look at Splunk reports if, assuming she was running Splunk, which she's probably not. But if she was and I was helping perhaps. her with it, she probably could, yeah, perhaps she could use that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but the U- the UI is like, okay, so Flash is gone. That's cool. I mean, at least that's cool because then, you know. And also, if you're on an Android device, you still your browser takes extra work to actually render in Flash, and now it'll just render in the native HTML5 JavaScript, 
So I'm wondering if that's probably enough for a loan right there for people to upgrade just to be able to run it on our iPad and I demo so. and show. That'd be kind of cool. You just know, that, that alone. a lot of our friends in IT uh, are more cutting edge and they work a lot just like we do. Um, and they've got their mobile device, whether it's an iPad, a, a different kind of tablet or, you sure. know, whatever kind of phone. And being able to access Splunk fully full features of Splunk on your mobile device is kind of cool. So I, I think it's you compelling. might upgrade for that. Yeah, but that's not the only thing in the UI. What are the other things? We have some other things. Blue like, and green um, colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blue and Splunk's green. brand has gone a little bit blue lately. Oh, uh, that's true. That's on our true. website. Um, <laughs> we've been green for quite some time. And I think it's moving to blue, which is... Hey, rock on. But uh, Splunk has a little bit more green and blue in it. That's not the exciting thing. Well, it's exciting enough to mention. Although, is there a such thing <laughs> called blue-green colorblind? Probably. I don't, I don't know. I think it's red-green. Red, so yeah. perhaps people, perhaps blue is a good color. Anyways. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if you, the ninja, were blue-green colorblind and didn't know it. I only see red. I just okay. see red. <laughs> I just see that. Okay. So you log into Splunk. You go to the search app. The first thing that you're going to see is uh, the search bar and a little bit of user interface changes there. Okay. Yep. You've got just a, some more stylistic elements on it. Um, things are a little bit more obvious. But then you start running a search. And I'm going to, I have one here on my screen. You start running a search, and there's a lot of things that have changed in here. Changed means awesome, at least in my book. So let's say you start going from the top to the bottom, and you've got uh, some really cool icons for starting a search, resuming it, finalizing it. The job inspector. What's the job inspector? You used to call it the search inspector? That's correct. That thing is actually now on the main page. So if you see a little I on the over right-hand screen, there's a little button that says I. The job inspector used to be hidden on an actions menu. And that thing actually tells you a lot about what's actually happening in your search. So you can get a little bit more in-depth. Yeah, no, it still pops up like, uh, it does. like the other one did. Yeah, but, it pops uh, up. but you can totally see. That way you can test the efficiency of your search if you didn't already sure. know how to do that, which is... Which is pretty cool. I like the fact that the uh, the save and the create buttons are kind of all integrated, and you can have choices there all in the main one instead of being from like the actions or whatever, or just single buttons. Uh, makes that a little bit easier, and also the time picker and the search, uh, the so the arrow, it's all like together, and it's it's just more efficient. We just got some good good well, feedback from a lot of people. And think about it before on four point two x, we had create an alert, make a dashboard, save search. So there were some buttons on there, but they they just weren't yeah. adequate. They were inadequate. So now you can save a search. Remember, remember we used to have oh, there was also, which <laughs> there's no way anybody could know this. Under the actions menu, there was also a get link to results. That's right. Remember that? That's a great feature. Get link to results. If you've never used that in the past and you're on the current on the old version, just click actions, get link to results, and it'll save the results and give you a permalink. So you can let's say put it in a help desk ticket or I am somebody. That's right there now in the save menu. So if you click save and share results, it'll give you that same permalink, which is quite cool. Right. And, and then I, and then also the other thing I like about the, the interface when you're searching, just on the searching screen still, 
is the fact that, you know, the fields that always show up on the left side. Correct. Um, they, you know, how like sometimes you might get a code as one of those guys and, um, you know, it's, it's really an, it's really a, a string, not a number, mm -hmm. but you might want to treat it like a number, right? So there's actually little indications now that show if whether something is alphanumeric or whether it's a, a digit, like a, like a decimal or a number or something like that. Correct. Um, Correct. Here's a caveat though. Um, that does not, that it is, it's all, it's nice because then you can see like wh whether it's text or a digit, what you should expect. That right. does not necessarily mean that all fields have types associated with them. Splunk, you cannot tell Splunk right now, this field is officially a digit. This field is officially text. Uh, right. You might have other data types that you would want a field to take. Um, an example would be date underscore W day. Okay. Date right. underscore W day is a Splunk field that, that tells what day it is. If you right. sort, yeah, if you take and sort date underscore W day, you sort it, it's going to sort it alphabetically, which is wrong. It's the wrong order. Right. Okay. Uh, and I've submitted an enhancement request to fix that, but it turns out we need to do some work around field typing. Which is, you know, if you were developers, what you want to do anyways is so you want to type your variables. So, um, But that is cool because at least it tells you that. Now, you see that create button up there, Maverick, mm -hmm. on, the, on the search? Create's kind of interesting now because um, you can make a dashboard panel just out of what you see, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, you can create an alert. And alerts, the alert workflow is a lot better now. We have something called per result alerting. Which is cool. So you basically can say anytime a result matches something uh, for real time. The the workflow around that is a little bit better. And um, scheduled searching and event times are all there. N a nice nice management. But what's the cool the coolest thing about the UI that I love? Um, I'm going to guess it's the dashboard editor. No, well, okay. You know what? That's because that's my cool. favorite. That's but... <laughs> pretty cool. But this is so Maybe... subtle and awesome. Okay. okay, what is what is it? Okay, so if I go to a search, and if you look over on, if you look at the very top, okay, it's these cute little icons that are hidden. It's right above, they're not hidden, but they're hard to, they don't jump out at you. But right yeah. above the event, the, the set of results, below the timeline, but before the raw text, there's a couple right. of things on there. Obviously, there's the next pages that you can access, but on the left-hand side, there's three different views. One of them is the raw events, the other one is called the event table, okay, which is any fields that are selected show up. Right. There's another one called the charting view. Oh, cool. Okay, so the charting view is really cool. So let's say, for example, I go, I just pick one of the fields and I select, um, I'll just view all 22 fields and, you know, let's pick on, uh, something date underscore minute i hit save and if i just go and, and pick a field over there and i say average over time okay in the past splunk would go and pop up a brand new window and give you that but now it gives you right within the context of that search window which is cool so you can see it right there not a pop-open window and you can switch back and forth really easily between the raw events and the search is there. Or, of course, if you oh, say awesome. stats, if you were to say stats count by index, okay, the table is going to appear right there below 
um, as it did before, or a chart will appear there, depending on what you choose. Oh, okay, because we had the chart before. The chart would just show up before. Now it actually shows the graphical representation in that same yeah, space. Yeah, you're right, the that's, chart. Right? That's cool. So yeah. right within there. Or let's say another example, top, I'm just going to say top underscore date W day. Doesn't really matter. Just, But if you pipe something to top, the top chart's going to appear right there on the screen. Don't have to have it on a separate window. And, uh, you know, the whole concept of... of uh, saving and share results should pretty much render the same way, which is cool. So I like having the graphics and the view right within there because obviously then I start filtering and doing other things and I'm not in a separate window. It's hot. Some of the things that I've seen in 4.3 is how it always should have been, which I really like. Okay. Well, see, no, no, what I was liking, I I think that's pretty cool actually. Um, And what I was liking though was our our lack of user interfaces. If you go to a a dashboard you've already created, like how many times have you created a dashboard and you put on the panels? And I'm talking like the simple dashboard. You just save it to add the dashboard and you save it and then you have a dashboard with the two or three panels and with the searches running and they have a pie charts and time charts and maybe there are some of them are real time, some of them are historical. And you're looking through at all these different things. And then you decide, you know what? I really need to change. I really wanted to change this this uh, pie chart like to a bar chart. Yeah, right. right? right. I just want to change that. Mm-hmm. You have to go back through the manager and you have to click a bunch of times. And then even then you might have to clone it and save it again and re-render it and save it and delete the first one. And it's just like, okay, come on, Splunk. You should give me an easier way to do this. Well, with 4.3, it's now possible to edit the existing dashboard that you have. And change the visualization on the fly. Well, let's, yeah, I mean, that's a great segue into this because there's a lot that went into dashboards, okay? Now, a lot of products don't even have the ability for you to make dashboards. A lot of them have dashboards that their product management went and built and all of that, which is good, right? Because people need visualizations. But most people don't go to that next extra step to provide this framework where people can make their own stuff. So, Pat hats off to the Splunk engineers that, that did that, which is really cool. The dashboarding that Maverick talked about. So one of the challenges you had in 4.2 is, okay, you could create a dashboard. You could easily make a panel. You could even move stuff around. But like Maverick said, if you wanted to change something from a pie chart to a table, well, that's not that hard. But if you wanted to change it from a pie chart to, let's say, a column chart, eh, forget it. It's just too much work. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just too, too many. It's too, it's not too many something. Steps. It's too many steps. there sh- actually shouldn't be any steps. If yeah. you look at a, a a dashboard panel, you should say, "I want that dashboard panel to be different, and I want it to be different now." Well, well, better a better version, uh, a better way to look at it is if I have a gauge. I have three different kinds of gauges. I might, I mean, the the right. data, the searches actually doesn't change. I just want to. I don't want a speedometer like gauge or radio gauge. I want a like a slider gauge, and I should just be able to switch it out because. A gauge is it should be the the single number that's showing on their real time or historic or whatever. I should just be able to switch that out with a different gauge on the and then what if we introduce more gauges? You know, I want to I might want to have my choice. I want to just be able to do it right there. And that's what Ford 3 lets you do. Right. So you log, you hit a dashboard in 4.3. You make one or you hit one that already exists. And there's some new widgets up there. Um, there's print and schedule PDF delivery if you're a, if you have an enterprise license, okay? Um, but there's an edit mode. It's sort of like an Apple-style slider, switch on and off. You click edit, and you say on, 
It'll change the dashboard into edit mode, which is cool. So edit mode also means that right there, you can just take a widget and move it around. Okay, move it to a different level. You've got full editing how you would want it. Okay, visually right there in front of you so you can get it all cool looking. Then you've got, um, obviously you can make a new panel from there. If you're in edit mode, you want to click make a new panel, just make a new search or use a save search. But like a Maverick is talking about, if you click, each panel now has a little blue edit button and you can edit the search behind it or edit the visualization. If you click edit visualization, it'll bring up this really sweet panel editor that'll let you change the, the widget or, or uh, element, like whether it's a filler gauge, marker gauge, scatter, whatever. It'll let you change the ranges. on. Like, let's say right now, I'm looking at a radial gauge. And you know, on a, or like a speedometer, right? Speedometer, yeah. um, you know, has things like, uh, what do you call it? Red, green, yellow, and red. Right when you when you're about to blow out your engine, right. you can actually change the color ranges based on the values that you expect. Let's say number of tweets per minute or transaction response time. You can change all of that right within here. I mean, like this is something that users can actually do, which is kick ass. Okay, exactly, exactly. So you can make so, all of those changes for yourself right there. Preview them, see how they work. When it's unbelievable. It's yeah, unbelievable it's, how easy it is to do. And and it's all visual too. That's the other thing that I think because some of us are some of us don't like like if we're doing IT for a while, we're probably not always visual. Like some of us are probably just fine with like command line and then doing things in, in a text file and XML and that kind of thing. But but not all of us are. And especially some of the newer customers that we have coming on board joining the Splunk family are you know, and the ones that will probably be you know downloading 4.3 for the first time. Now going into to twenty twelve and beyond, they're probably not necessarily as technical as or geeky as right. some of us on this on this podcast right now. You know, and and they're gonna they're gonna totally be able to create dashboards and be able to edit them without having to really tr- touch the XML. Uh, I mean, this is it's really before. pretty, dude. I mean, I I just went in and, and changed a table, edited a table, and added a heat map overlay to it. Um, for the table. Oh, cool. Itself. I didn't and, even know we had that. And it's That's just, cool. I mean, we've always had heat map overlay in a table d- down in the report engine, way down there in a report. Right. But, um, and then of course you have to save the report, but all these different, it's interesting. You just pop into a panel, start looking at all the visualization types and you've Playing got everything. I mean, it. this looks a lot more like you'd expect out of Microsoft Excel, like insert totally <sighs> contrived applause right here because it's yeah. just really, really slick. Even on what to do with null values, it's all very visual. So you don't necessarily have to understand everything. You just start clicking on things. Uh, it's 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 really, really slick. And of course, it's intuitive, intuitive. If you yeah. do want to actually get into the the XML itself, so let's say you're nerdy and you just you found some setting that you want to apply, you can get in there and edit the XML right from here make changes to it, or even if you want to go advanced XML, you can do that as well. So dashboard so cool. editing is is a big deal, and really I think it's going to help more people use Splunk because they can get the visualizations that they want and, and see them in, in the way that they would want as well. Now, what if I wanted to send a bulletin to everybody? Can I do that in 4.3? Like in the user interface, can I like send a bulletin banner and send it to everybody if I want? Is that, is that in 4.3 now? Uh, I don't think so. 
It is. It is. It's in there. What? <laughs> it's in there. What it is, is. it? You just put in a t- you put in a message. You know, like whenever someone's like, remember how there's always people, always multiple people using the product, and then there's something comes up, and then you, you know you want to broadcast something to everyone. So when they log in, they see a message that you want to make them give them a heads up on. We have an ability in 4.3 to do that now. So you can type that in, and then you just send the message, and it will send it out. It's what, pretty. Is it's wall like in it's there a, now. Yeah, it's called it's called bulletin messages. It's really really neat. So I thought, I mean, I I've kind of wondered use? about that. It's just under manager and user um, user interface, I think. And you can go into manager user interface. You can click on it. I think you can put it. Oh, you're right, dude. And that's then send it and then made it. put it. Wow, that's cool. Right, broadcast it out, and then when you're done, you can tr- delete it out. I think um, t- too. So it's it, it's just one of those kind of neat things because because we have again we have people that are using the product. Multiple users and teams of people using the same product for their own uses, but then there's ways that you know there's reasons why you might want to send a message. A heads up, you know, boss is logging in. Make sure yeah, that you're watching. Yeah, that's the, a good point. Or you know. <laughs> okay, uh, that's way. That's I actually didn't. I had a friend who was working on something like that. That's cool. That he called wall. He called it wall, like Unix's wall. He's a Splunk one of the UI guys, and I remember talking about this a while ago. And they actually put it in there, which is really cool. So you can do a bulletin message and then have it broadcast and you can delete it and all of that. So I said, hey, dude's got to reboot, which was sort of cool. Um, yeah. And I just said Wild was here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wild, well, that's right. Wild was here. That's kind of cool. People can communicate with each other, users that are logged in. Maverick and I do a demo every week and we use a server for our job, but we also demo on it every wednesday at 1 p.m cst and it it always be it would always i'm now going to use this to say okay no more changes on the server i'm about to demo right right but maybe if you could just not put cute messages up while i'm demoing that would be nice Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no guarantees of that exactly Okay. okay okay so here's one thing that's like five years late Okay, what is it? Per user time zones. Oh yeah, that's okay, right. We do have that. Per user time zones is freaking great because you know, <laughs> in the past, it's what the the events appeared in whatever time zone the server was in, and like when I would go to Interop, we would set everything to GMT. So every server, every network device spit out the GMT, and well. It's cool, but we had people in three different locations and them having to do a little bit of translation in their head is just kind of silly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not hard. We, I mean, yeah, it's not hard in your head to do it. It's it just, is. it's well, kind of like, it is. Kinda like meh, like, uh, like yeah, you should it, be able to just do that. Well, <laughs> it is. Well, the thing is, it is if you have to do it, it's an extra step. So now, as a part of your profile, right? Uh, when you go, when you log into Splunk, you're going to see your username now. Just one big username says administrator or Michael Wild. If you click on it in the upper right-hand corner, it's going to take you to your account, your profile. You can change your password, but you can also set your time zone, and it will go ahead and change it right there. It has a little bit of um, there's a little bit of a cache that happens uh, with the timeline. Okay, so if you go, if you make a change to this, at least by there's a good chance this this might not have been resolved. It'd be in the release notes. But there's a little bit of like a 30-second cache, I think. So just reload your search page, and the timeline and the raw event should be synced up to your new time zone. But it's that's pretty cool. Um, 
What else? There was one more thing I wanted to talk about. No, there's actually two more actually oh, that Matt, are worth Matt's talking. Got one. I got one. You got one. Which one do you got? Well, give me yours. I was going to talk. Well, the the coolest thing I think, as far as a new type of way of showing data, is the spark lines. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about that, but I like spark lines. What's a yeah. spark line, and why are they good? Well, okay. So, how many times do you have a table where you end up doing a report where you kind of need like a combination of like in my mind, I think of it like a combination of like stats, but also timelines. So imagine having each row of the table having the timeline and showing the like a little miniature version of what the timeline would look like over time of a particular grouping or field value or whatever. So you can have both. You can have the the average of totals or whatever, and then you can have like the little um, uh, miniature, like a miniature timeline next to it. So if you have, let's say, 20 rows, you'll have 20 little miniature timelines, and you can they're one on top of, the, of each other in, in like a column, its own column. And you can actually see how they all relate and correlate, and visually your brain can figure things out a lot faster when it's kind of graphed out in miniature like that um, you know, uh, individually like that in these little, what they call spark lines going across in that column. It, 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 you have to see it to understand it, but once you see it, it becomes very obvious how useful it can be. And yeah, I love it. A good way to think about, if you, if you don't think about spark lines a lot, it's a good way to, is to look at, like, let's say, a stock chart, right? Mm-hmm. You look at a stock information on the top 10 companies that were trading today on the Dow, for example, if you listened to it when the market was open. You're right. going to see maybe their opening and their closing price and all of that. You're going to see a table. But right. sometimes you'll also see in that table, you'll see a cell that actually has a little graphic that shows the overall performance during the day, right, during the hour. So it's just like for that particular table, there's a little summary that shows a bit more information. And you can do that in Splunk with a, uh, as a part of the chart command and some of the other, I think, chart maybe stats, but chart will do it. And you just add sparkline. You can say, let's say count by whatever or average by. And it'll show that trend, that time-based trend in miniature right next to it in the table. That's the, that's the cool thing. It's a little green graph right in the table next to the blue stuff. So I think that that's pretty exciting, and I've been having fun with that. And I think that most of you listening now are probably going to want to try that. And if you haven't upgraded, you're probably going to want to grade for that as well, just to just to be able to see what kind of insight you get on your data by using that simple little feature. Yet it yet it adds a lot of value. I think. Yeah, um, you know what? I got to. Ooh, that means it's. I think it, now it's time to redo or upgrade the the analytics for our podcast and add some ooh, smart lines in there. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's that do that. Would be cool. So here's my thing. Um, <laughs> At least right now, the way Splunk is designed, when you eat data, you pretty much ate it and whatever settings were applied have been applied. Right. And you want to make changes to it other than deleting, which really doesn't delete, just hides things from the index. Uh, let's see, your source type is wrong or you got some time stamping wrong or you got some line breaking that's all jacked up. You got to re-index the data or potentially clean it. And we've, even when Jeff Blake was on the show last year, we used to talk about setting up a test index, right? Right. So you can test things out and then move stuff to the next index. Now I have some really good ideas on how to make that awesome in the future, which I've shared with engineering. But there's this cool new feature called data preview. Okay? Data preview. What's that about? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you go to add a new data input, so let's say I'm going to go over Where do you do that? You go to manager. That's a good place to do it, although there's a recipe area. But if you go to manager data inputs... And I'm going to say files and directories. And if I click new data input, um, there's now a, a different, there's a sort of like, you could think of it kind of as a wizard. Okay. 
Yeah, like yeah. It's sort of a wizard, and you can you can skip this mode. There's a thing that says skip preview and just manually configure it if you're, you know, a ninja. But if you want to preview your data before you index it, you can point it at a single file. So let's say your stuff is on another server, it's on a forwarder or whatever, and you want to make sure line breaking. Just take a little bit of that file, copy that file, and like put it on a server on some way place where Splunk can get at it. So let's say if I click browse the server, whoa. A file browser comes up. Yeah. Holy crap! You can actually now browse your uh, your particular server. So let's. I'm just gonna go in my machine. I'm just gonna go to select var, and I'm gonna go select log because I happen to be on a Linux machine here, and we're just gonna grab um, secure. We'll grab the var log secure and hit select. And if I hit continue. Splunk is then, uh, it's going to do it's gonna do a few things, right? It's going to run its source typer. It's going to go, hey, that looks exactly like the Linux secure source type. Cool, do you want that? Maybe you don't. You want to start your new source type or it apply a different one. Now, okay, so source typing, because you got to get source typing right for categorization to work. But then it gives you a preview of what your events might look like if they were indexed. Okay, yeah. why is this important? Because your timestamps might be wrong. Okay, Splunk might not have been able to figure out your timestamp, or you might have two or three timestamps in the event. Or time zones, like you were saying right. earlier. You time need zones. to fix. Exactly. So you can make some changes right there to event breaking. Like config changes, you mean? Sure. You can say, like, maybe every line is one event, like a yeah. HTTP access log. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe there's a pattern on which you should break, like, um, you know, maybe in some Java logs, or maybe there's a pound sign before every main event. So you can set or, that. Or, or be custom. It might be a bunch of pound signs and dashes and stuff like that, or whatever it is for Run you. Your you own could, regex, you could, right? Yeah, you can totally use that. But you don't. The thing is, you don't commit it to the indexes because you're previewing it first. You're not committing it yet. Right. And you could, if you think about this really, what you're thinking, what you're really doing here is a really kick-ass source type configurator. Okay. <laughs> because that's really what this is. That's because right. Because once true. I save that, once I save this, and if I say, if I matter of fact, if I take and create a new source type for this, it's going to put the configuration associated with the source type or the source. But I, I then can mess with the timestamp. Okay, to have it do its intelligence, or maybe change it, or maybe change the format of the timestamp. All this stuff, or specify, like you said, the time zone, which right. I'm totally going to use this at interop. <laughs> um, and then you can, you know what? You want to go in ninja mode? You can edit props.conf and then it's summarizing it for you. It's giving you a time distribution. It's giving you a lot of really cool information about this set of results. You click continue, apply some changes, and now, now it's going to, you know, apply your changes. If, if everything looks cool, obviously you hit continue again. You name your, in this case, you're going to name your new source type. I'm going to call it whatever. Mm -hmm. Save your source type as, let's say, whatever. And now, if I go to my forwarder, eat some files, and apply this new source type, everything's going to be golden, right? It's a really nice way to kind of modify the configuration of Splunk so you get it right, and then you add your data input, right? Then... It's That's a really cool. right, it's a really slick way of how preview works to to really like I said it's a very nice source type editor uh, and again source types are configurations but source types are categories but source types are great 
because you might have 50,000 different file locations. But if you categorize them in a source type and you got your line breaking and all that stuff right, man, you yeah. may never have to re-index again. Well, it's kind of like what you're saying earlier. I think you and I were talking earlier about how sometimes you need to pre-filter and post-filter. And source type right. is just a, one of those good metadata filterings that you probably want to kind of get in the habit if you're not doing it already. Yeah. Get used to having using source type to... To narrow down, you know, even if you even if you need to specify them, you know, source type equals syslog and source type equals um, you know Windows events. Like you just want those two. Like get in the habit of narrowing down. It makes your searches much faster. Like we talked about on other podcasts before, right? And then it also just you know it's a good habit to get into. Just uh, you know to make sure you're you're narrowing down and being clean about not being inundated with too many things. You know. As you're as you're using the product to try to figure things out, troubleshooting or whatever. Okay, a couple of last little things as a run through this so, list. Some, so, yeah, some some support things, things that we're supporting now, right? Yeah, a couple of last little things. Bloom filters, uh, totally nerdy thing, but what it really does is it speeds up keyword searches for very rare terms. And if you were looking for the word wild, and it was like a couple of years ago, figuring that out is really fast now um, because of the technique we've used. Uh, multiple LDAPs, which is good. Splunk will listen on IPv6 now, which is great. Yep. Okay, so yep. forwarding and receiving. Although, I hope you have a domain name for your IPv6 stuff, because I can see you making some serious uh, IP address <laughs> errors there. Um, uh, Support for real... Yeah, well, yeah, well, real to, yeah. What was that? What were you going to say, Maverick? I was going to say the, the backfill, the support for the backfill now real, in real time. Real time backfill? Huh, what do you mean? Um, to be able to, you know how you do the backfill, like, um, you know, like when you have summary indexing, um, uh, we've talked about it before where you have maybe some, uh, instead of alert, instead of having something alert you or send you an email when something happens or a result of a search finishes, you just take the results of the, like the numerical or the statistical or whatever the results of the search and you just put it in the summary index, um, which is another index that, um, that, you know, doesn't count against your indexing volume or anything. It's just free to use, but you can use it to summarize over time. So you can have something running in the background every hour and finding some you know, summary type information it calculates and then puts it in the summary index. So you search the summary index later for that summarized information rather than drilling down into the, uh, the granular or real-time data um, that's that's could be potentially millions of events. You might just look at one event that summarizes it, kind of thing. Well, if that doesn't happen, on you know, let's say it stops happening and you need to backfill it, or if you haven't been doing it for a particular type of data that then now you need to get reports on that go back into the past, you know, you weren't running it every hour to capture that information. So backfill is a technique that's inside Splunk. It's actually a script, Hold or on, it was not, a script. Before. Wait, time out. That's actually not what the feature is. Okay. Well, okay. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. Well, then snap yeah. and then snap. No, and yeah. I'll, yeah. Right. I'm sorry. So it sounds like you're okay. So it sounds like you're talking about real time backfill. Okay. So you ever used a real time search and you loaded up your dashboard? Let's say let's say you did a real time thirty minute window and you put it on a dashboard, right? Okay. Correct. Now you load up your dashboard, and the real time search starts. What do you got? You got now, and then nothing before it. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. Okay, so real-time backfill allows you to fill the initial window with historical data. So let's say you have a, a real-time search that holds an hour's worth of data in that window. Splunk will go ahead and fill up the last hour's worth of data and then begin moving the window as well. So you see 
you know, that hour's worth and you got the moving real-time window that comes across versus just opening up a brand new window that has nothing in it other than now to the future. Right. Oh, okay. So, so um, I was mistaken then. I guess I was thinking that it was like the backfill thing, but I see what you're saying. That's Actually, we're going to edit it out, so you weren't oh, really... Oh, we're gonna, you weren't, oh you weren't okay, even, I'm sorry. No, you oh, weren't geez. even mistaken, dude. Don't worry. Jeez, okay. Right. I and thought you were going to... Oh. Right. And then the last thing, uh, structured data field extraction for XML and JSON. Whoa, what's up with that? There's a new search command called SPATH, as in silly. S as in silly. Okay? <laughs> so you know you got those. We used to have a command called XMLKV, which was okay, but... The problem with XML KV, it didn't deal with hierarchies. And things like XML and JSON data have hierarchical data structures. So now you have um, a really, if you run things through the SPATH search command, although Splunk will format the user interface really nicely for some of those data formats, you'll get the fields that go all the way through and the parent-child relationship, which is really, really nice so that you can reference that and and see it as, as well. So... Um, you're talking about the colors because XML comes all colorized. Well, now. it does. Well, sure. XML does come colored. But if you're on that Splunk server, you're on that one. Mm -hmm. And the data that we were looking at in our little demo, there it says, hey, dude's got to reboot. It's still there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> dude's got to reboot. So let's say we're looking, Maverick and I right now, we're looking at some data from Twitter. And it's coming in from a uh, JSON. Uh, it's a JSON object, Okay. Yeah. So um, Splunk is nicely formatting it, like color coding formatting. But Maverick, if you go down to one of those events and you look at entities, okay? So j if we click on entities in this JSON event, there's a whole bunch of sub events that are sub uh, lines that are there. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, there's expansion in here, okay? So if I take and pipe that search to SPATH, okay, we're just going to pipe it to SPATH. Now, the fields on the left-hand side are going to blow out, man. There's going to be a ton of fields. But um, they're going to say, like, entities.usermentions.indices or, let's see, user.defaultprofile or user.following because there's a hierarchy in this particular object where user is one of the top levels. And then under user, there's description, default, created at, Creators enabled. There's all these fields that are in this particular event. So we're we're going ahead and respecting that and creating the child parent-child field relationships for all that right. type of structured data that you would expect, which was not possible in a previous version. Some like this isn't a dot release, this is practically a major release in a dot release, although what's coming for the next major release of Splunk is freaking mind-blowing. Anyways. Yep. Yeah, we don't even want to begin to talk about that because yeah, because it, it's still you, under you planning. But if you got well, some you, great ideas, give no, us no, 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 yeah. you, you just can't handle it. Is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle you it. You can't handle how awesome no, no, it will but be. You, it will be so awesome. It would just because it's so it. far out. It, Actually, I don't, I don't even know when the next release is coming. But I'll, I'll say it's probably awesome. So. It's got to yeah. be awesome. You know what? That's the cool thing about Splunk is it's always awesome, and. Um, you know, it, it, I'm still amazed, uh, even after five years. I mean, we've been here over five years now. It's yeah, growing here, yeah. and it's just unbelievable to think that it, that it still blows me away, all these cool things. I'm just glad we got cool features, and we got great customers, and the you listeners yeah. that are listening right now are giving us all kind of feedback. We encourage you, to, if you want to give us more feedback, please do. Um, how do they reach us again? You know what? You can email us at splunktalk at splunk.com, but 
send us an email on what you think your favorite feature is. Splunk Talk at Splunk.com or there's a special place on Facebook where you can go now, right? Oh yeah, that's right. We had some we got we finally got the Facebook uh yeah. title. Facebook.com slash Splunk Talk. To like us, you have to go there and like us right now. It's all in lowercase. So Facebook.com slash Splunk Talk. If you like us, then I think we'll I think what that means is we'll appear on your feed. So if you're a Facebook user like I am, um I'm Facebook.com slash Michael Wild. But um if you we publish the we publish to Facebook as well the podcast. So if you want to listen to it there, get it there, that's fine. Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little while longer than normal, but we had a fun discussion about 4.3. Yep. Go ahead, upgrade, or at least test it out on your MacBook Pro or Windows machine that's sitting in, in your home with your Linksys router. Let us know what you think. And check us out on the next episode. And as yeah. we always say, Happy, happy Splunking! You better watch out now! <laughs>